The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The hospitality industry is one of the fastest-growing industries in an improving economy. There are new career opportunities popping up in restaurants, hotels, and travel. Get the inside scoop today. Welcome to the Hospitality News Network with Stephen Nicole. Our hope is that you'll look at this industry in a whole new light. Now, here's your host, Stephen Nicole. Welcome to the Hospitality Industry Network. I have a very exciting show here tonight because it brings back a lot of memories. My guests worked a total of 13 years on cruise ships. With such lines as Norwegian Caribbean Lines, Royal Caribbean, and Silver Sea, he has been in more places than you can imagine. I had the pleasure of working with him on Renaissance Cruises, where he was my first maitre d' on board ever on a ship, and he climbed the ladder all the way to hotel manager. Andre Lazar knows what it takes to work on a cruise ship, and in the next hour, he will tell us of his experience and travels. So... If you ever wanted to work on a ship, you're going to love this show. Welcome, Andre. Hey, good evening, Steve. Now tell us, let's start at the beginning. Uh, a long time ago, you took uh, a chance on getting on a ship and, and working. Tell us about that, because a lot of people yeah. would like to know how to get on a ship. Well, first, uh, first, thank you for inviting me. I'm very proud of that. And it's always fun to talk about the ship and uh, everything we have seen also. Oh, my God. I was working here in my hometown. I decided to go to Florida because I wanted a new job, and a friend of mine was living there. So one day he said to me, why don't you go and work on a cruise ship? And being a guy living in land here near Montreal, I'm in Sherbrooke in Eastern Township, Quebec. We don't talk about ship here. So it never <laughs> came up to my mind to go work on a ship. But once in Florida... And that friend said to me to go on a ship. I stopped there in the afternoon because we were on Flatler Street at that moment, downtown Miami. So we stopped at the pier in Miami, and there was a ship docked over there. Well, I looked at it, and I didn't know. It was the SS Norway. Yes. The biggest cruise ship in the world at the time. Yes. It was 1,065 feet long, a few feet longer than the QB tour. So yes. I walked on board the ship. Things we were not able to do today, of course. And I saw an officer, and I asked him where I can go to uh, apply to work on board. So he sent me outside of the ship, and he said, go to the office over there. I stopped there, and I talked with a girl. She was from Haiti, French-speaking. Then uh, it was embarkation day, and the crew turned around. So a lot of action there for 1,000 crew uh, vessel. Yes. So... She couldn't talk to me that day, really. So she said to me, could you come back on Tuesday or something like that? So I said, yes. So I came back to her. And on Saturday, uh, on Thursday, two days before, they confirmed me I was boarding the ship on Saturday. And I couldn't believe it because my English was not very good. 
and probably she was speaking worse English than I, and she thought it was very good. So <laughs> I boarded the ship that day. It was in uh, late November 1987, and I started as a waiter. My English was so poor, I could not even take an order. I was wow. going back to the galley with a, a paper and some black line with a, with a pen. That's it. There was nothing written there. <laughs> and the galley was like a, so much action at the time of a dinner time, you know. So uh, I worked very hard to make my way and finally keep going with that job, not them to fire me. But I've been through a lot. Now, how long was that? Years have passed, you know, when I changed ship and then changed companies and changed positions, and finally, that's how I started on ships. Now, how long was that first contract with the it was SS? Six months. Six months. Yeah. You know, it's it's when, funny. I was on the SS Norway the year before, and they signed me to a ten month contract. Those were yeah. Those and I were, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, this is, was not usual because the 10 months contract were mostly to Filipinos. Yes. It's, not a, it's not because of discrimination. It's just that the fact that they are very far away, very costly for company to fly crew around the world. So they work with Gibson. Gibson is the one that provides a lot of crew members to ships around the world. So that's why Filipinos still have 10 months contract unless they have a management position. Now, so that, was a huge, that was a huge dining room, wasn't it? That was uh, two dining rooms of 500 each, two, twice a night, 2,000 passengers. Yeah. This, that was this huge. Ship, yeah. This ship, as you know, the SS Norway, was the former SS France. Yes. And the France was operated with 2,000 crew and 1,000 passengers. And then they, they didn't succeed with it. So finally, the Norwegian bought it converted the vessel to 2,000 passengers and 1,000 crew. So wow. the dining room, original of the France, were still the same, but with two seating for dinner, 6 o'clock and 8.30. That was accommodating, accommodating 500 about in each dining room. It makes 2,000. Yes. yes. So and huge. you know, that was the first really big ship, wasn't it? Yes. This was one of the first big ships following the Titanic, you know, yes. later on that the French has built. Yes. Now, from there, what happened? You went from the SS Norway to where? Okay, from there, the company was building a new ship that was named the MSC Ward. So, those one who wanted to work on the Sea Ward, you had to give your name. And at that time, I had a second contract done, so I was doing better, so I applied to be part of that crew, but you were chosen by the FNB manager and the Metro D's who's going to be the one because there was many ships in the fleet of NCL, so they wanted to be fair to everyone. Yes. And I was chosen among the crew for the new ship. So we flew from Miami with a charter flight of three, 400 crew to Turku, Finland. And wow. it's funny because we made a stop to Gander, Newfoundland, Canada, for fueling before crossing to Finland. And me, being from Canada, it was amazing to see all those crew buying Canadian souvenir and everything. Yes. So we <laughs> had to Turku. We stayed on board the ship that was new. The ship was not finished. We had to be there for an entire week. 
So we had, we were having no, our meals in the big, you know, cafeteria for the workers where they can sit a thousand workers at the time there. Yes. It was an experience. And then now, was that, had, was that your first time ever in Europe? It was, no, no, because I have been skiing in Europe when I was, uh, 18, 19, 20. I was going, doing ski trips in the Alps. So I have been to Europe many times. Okay. But it now, was my first mm-hmm. across Atlantic sailing. Okay. Because we had to take the ship back to New York. Yes. And uh, before we sailed from Turku, there was a ship being built just behind us. And this ship was the Whale Viking Sun. Right. We knew it was a Whale Viking vessel, but it was just being built. So you'll see later why I say that. And then we head to New York, where we stand for two days. And then we had cocktails for travel agents to come and visit the vessel so they could promote it for NCL and sell the product. So we were all dressed up during the crossing. You know, we set up the old ship. It's like an hotel or a house. Wow. You build towels. You, 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 you buy towels. You buy dishes. But this is on board for an entire vessel, crew and passenger. So the crossing, it's a lot of work. It's nothing easy. Yeah. You, you're working from morning to night. So yes. arrived in New York, we had those cocktails. It was very glamorous, you know, flowers on board everywhere and everything. The ship was as beautiful, you know, as you can put it. Oh yeah. And I remember the last night we sailed from New York towards Miami for the first passenger. All the crew was on top deck, sailing out of New York, passing the Twin Towers. And we were all in jacuzzis with our uniform. It was a party for us because we had oh, been wow. working a lot the last 10 days. So those good memories from that, that time. Now, and from there, I sailed with the Sea Ward for a while in the Caribbean. And then I transferred with a whale Viking. Wow. Then I was and so, a later. And so, you know, it's not just about waiting on tables or, or mixing drinks, is it, Andre? There's a lot of other things that a, a crew member has to do, someone who works in the restaurant. Give us, a, you know, a rundown of a couple of things that you have to do. Yeah, yeah. When you work in the, in the restaurant, everybody has duties. And it's a schedule. It's a rotation schedule. Okay, you're not just waiting on your table and go back home, okay? And uh, some people take care of table slots after the meal. Some other people, it's, you know, it's all, everybody collaborates to that. It's a team. So every week it's changing. Yes. Every week the schedule is moving around and everybody does different. And then you sell them to the island. Then when you reach the island, one dining room is closed and the other one is open. Because yes. some people eat outside, some people eat in. It's the same for the staff who's going to work at lunch that day. Some are off in one dining room. The next week, it's going to be the other dining room maybe off. So everybody has its time, and it's, uh, okay, it's fairly organized. And but we also have lifeboat drills and things like that, too, drills, as well. Of course. Yeah, we have lifeboat drill. We have USPH uh, training. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the cabins checkup and uh, you have to take care of your laundry and you, there's a lot to be done you know for remember it's 11 hour a day to work on a cruise ship yes you go but it's you, you but start it's at fun. six in the morning yeah you finish your breakfast for you two sitting it's like 10 o'clock at 12 you check in 
then at 3, 2.30, you're done. And at 5, you check in for the 6 and 8.30. And then you finish at 10. And once a week, sometimes you work at midnight buffet, from midnight to 2. So you go sleep in between. And it takes a while before you get used to all that. Yes. You know, oh, and, and, and it, it was terrible when I started. I didn't know I'm going to make it. But you did. You did with flying oh. colors. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I didn't give up. That's right. Because some people were coming on board in three weeks, and two weeks, and they're gone. Yes. So that's There's why you have so many people, foreign people, a lot of people from all over the world. Yes. Filipinos from Portugal, Spain, Thailand. It's a hundred different nationalities, I think, on board the ship like that. But it's really nice. Yeah, you enjoy the people from other countries and having fun and going ashore. And of course, of course, when you're free, you have a few hours ashore in the afternoon. Go for a lunch, and you know you you make friends very fast. Because when you get on board a ship like that, you're on your own, as well as the other guy when he boarded the ship. So it yes. doesn't take many hours that you have friends around. Yes, and sometimes so you're sharing a room with other people as well. Yeah, I did. I went the way to. It was four people, but the room was a narrow room. It was the fourth room from the back of the ship. Oh man! So, oh yeah, that was something. We I was with three Filipinos. The room was about six feet width and about twenty-five, thirty feet long. There was four beds, so that means two two set of bunks. We each one had one drawer under the bed and one drawer in a in a cabinet. And each one a closet about to twelve inches wide, and in wow. all this you have to put all your personal clothing, your all uniform for every night and every formal night. You have to organize yourself. It's very very tiny yes. at the time. Yes. Now it's a bit different. It's yes. two per cabin. It's not four anymore, really, and okay. uh, so it's better because uh, it was difficult for. The some companies to have yes. crew because some company were making a change in that was better accommodation for their crew. So the other companies they had to follow. Well, Andre, we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna I gotta pause right now for a commercial break for two okay. minutes. But when I get back, I want to talk to you about uh, some of the places you went to and how you climbed the ladder. A life coach, Stephen Nicole, can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s to the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. 
Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no holes barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's Stephen Nicole, N I C O L L E.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N I C O L L E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back to the Hospitality Industry News Network. I'm your host, Stephen Nicole. We're talking with Andre Lazard and his career on cruise ships. He's been everywhere. I'll tell you, if you're just joining our show now and missed the first part, don't worry, because all the shows are archived on my webpage 24-7. And uh, also, you'll be able to catch it on iTunes and LinkedIn, uh, not LinkedIn, sorry, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and Tuned In. And also, you could upload it on Kindle if you want. We're talking with Andre Lazard, who is with Norwegian Caribbean Lions right now in his talk, starting back in 1986, uh, 80, sorry, 87 on the SS Norway. And from there, Andre, you went to Royal Viking? Yeah, after uh, I'm finished with the Seaward. Then I uh, decided to apply with Royal Viking Line, and I was uh, hired on the Royal Viking Sky. So I worked there for a few contracts, including uh, all summer. We did New York Bermuda, and uh, so that was nice, too. And then I moved to Royal Viking Sun after my, at my following contract. Yes. And that's the one I said it was building behind us. When yes, we as I remember that. Yes. You so I was transferred to that ship a year and a half later. That was wow. launched. So I didn't know that two years before. And it was for the World Cruise. Oh, man. So we sailed from Miami on a January 5th. And uh, we were heading uh, eastbound or westbound, westbound because of the time change. Yes. You know, when you sail a World Cruise, if you go with the time and you lose Hours here and there, it's too difficult. So going yes. the other way, you gain an hour every night. So even yes. if the time is changed, it's easier. So the company okay. do that now because it's more, much easier on the crew and the passenger. Now, so I did the world cruise. and Describe to us the world cruise because a lot of people, you know, would like to be a passenger or work on a world cruise uh, uh, itinerary. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay, a world cruise is an average of, I would say, between 100 and 110 days. Mostly, it goes around that. People buy the old cruise. There's different level of quality. You can buy inside cabin. You can buy a world cruise for $20,000. You've wow. been inside cabin, but when you're out on deck everywhere, you have almost the same privilege as everyone. Yes. Except on some companies where they have classes. If you talk about Cunard, uh, QE2 or Quimere, they have still the class, first class, second class, third class. If you buy the first, you can go everywhere. But if you buy the last, you cannot go in the first. You know, it goes like that. But on a regular vessel that does a world cruise, you can buy different levels. Of course, there's some advantage to it as well. It's normal. 
But you sail at the same port and you do the same thing and you can buy the same thing everywhere, everybody. And the people can buy also a segment. They don't need to buy an entire world cruise. You can buy the segment. Example, if you take a ship that is from Miami and goes to Tahiti, and it takes three weeks because they stop and they do Panama Canal, they do Acapulco, Mazatlan, yeah. some ports. Coasting, arriving in Tahiti, was five days from uh, Acapulco. Then there's a big embarkation day there because it's at three weeks. So you can buy a lamp like that. And the people can buy the second part next year. So you can do the cruise around the world within five, six years. By oh, okay. So I you don't have that. to speak spend so much money at once. And for some people, it's too long being on board for a time like that. Yeah, 110 days. That's uh, wow. That's long. But there's also a group of people who do it. Now, Andre, some of the places you saw during the World Cruise, any memorable experiences you had? Oh, my God. I've been to India. I've been to Japan. We, We sail all around Japan. And then when you reach Europe, you go all, all over Europe, you know, Greece, Turkey. Of course, you do the main, main place in the world. Yes. You talk about Brazil, Rio, you stop in Hong Kong, you stop in Tokyo. And then if you do the island around, and uh, then the old Polynesia, uh, wow. Captain Cook Island. Uh, my God, there's so many places. You do about maybe 50, 60 calls. Hundred uh, in hundred days because you have sea days as well. Yes, Don't forget yes. that a world cruise. Some places you're gonna have four day, four sea days. You are in the port for two days and you have three sea days. You know, sometimes it's uh, it's a few selling days before you reach an export. Wow. Lots of ocean, you know. Yes, I've been on a few but, of those. Yeah. Did you do a world cruise? Yeah, not the world cruise, but you know, with Renaissance, we had a lot of fun doing the crossing there from. Singapore, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. If you look, as a crew member, if you like to travel, you're fun people and you like people. It's the best can happen to you. Now it's now. I, here's a question that's often asked to me, and I'm sure you've been asked the same thing. Now, do you get a chance to, sh- you know, uh, see any of the ports? Of course, we do. Because, uh, example, we used to, when I was with Renaissance Cruise, later we'll talk about it. Uh, as you know, Steve, when we were sailing, example, Egypt, and you spend a month in Egypt during summertime or six, seven weeks, the passenger in Egypt, they leave for the day. And I was yes. lucky to be in a charter that was from Remnant would come New York. And the charter, when the agency selling the trip to Egypt, to their clients, and behind that, it's Metropolitan Museum of Art, or Harvard University, or the Smithsonian, all those yes. organizations. The trip is paid and concluded all the visits, all the, all the tours. Excursion. So in the morning, all the guests are leaving. Yes. You know? It's part of the trip. They waited for a long time to do it. Some may stay on board the ship. So for us, we just keep the, the minimum crew on board in case anything happened and captain yes. has, has guests or something. And then we're free for the day. So we don't go as far as them. But sometimes I was invited with them to join. They, they got me on a plane with them, charter plane to visit Abu Simbel. They took me 
with uh, that company, I've seen a lot. Wow. So, yeah, and uh, the chef that was working for me with me, Ralph Tanninger from Austria, yes. Ralph and I, we were always going on a trip with the passenger with women and would come. Nice. We knew them, we knew the crew, the, their staff from New York was boarding the vessel with them. So, it was always the same people that were now that's, taking care of that. That's a, that's a thing you bring up, Andre, is that you build a, a rapport with the people you might serve in your section or, you know, yeah. people that are going on the shore excursion. They want you to come along. Well, when I was there, I was I was a metro D at that point. I was not a waiter anymore. So, but a while back in Sun, World Cruise, then I was a waiter. Yes. And after that, this when Renaissance Cruise arrived in my in my old thing and then it was a different different way to travel because the vessel were not holding like 800 or 1000 passenger those vessels were only 115 passenger in oh, 75 that was fantastic crew. yeah the first the time ship, i walked into the, a dining room there i couldn't believe the size of it <laughs> oh i know and the service was excellent and the ship was so small everybody used to go ashore during the day of course and all the all the passengers after a day, they all know each other, and we know them. Yes. Once we were dark in Copenhagen. It was embarkation day with, uh, with the charter. I have been there for two years with that charter. Out of 90 or 85 passenger boarding that day, I knew 22 of them. Wow. I was on the gangway looking at them because we did embarkation on the ground. It was easier than stuck them in the lobby. And they were all waving to me. I knew them from past trip. Those people were repeaters, constantly coming back with the product of Remain and Wickham and Renaissance Cruises. Yes. And you know, uh, one thing I always say to people is if they're going to work on a cruise ship, I don't know if you'd agree with me on that, but to work on a smaller cruise ship, if at all possible, so you could you could build up that relationship with people. Of course, because you see them all the time. When they come in the afternoon, you're at the gangway. Hey, how are you? How was your day? When you work on a 2,000-passenger vessel and you're a waiter, you're not at the gangway because you no. cannot greet 2,000 people, huh? No. Probably, They're all you, don't know, yeah. you don't know 1,800 of them if there's 2,000. <laughs> yes. And, you know, another thing is as well is that uh, with the big ships, you always are on a tender usually. Yes. Very often. So you, very often, yes. So you have to wait till all the uh, passengers get off board before you could actually take the tender yourself ashore. Yeah, except if the tender is not full, but for sure the passenger. That's why the crew has to think about that. If the tour comes back at, at 3 in the afternoon and you're ashore, you better get on the tender now because you have to go take a rest because you work at 5.30. So yes. you have to think about that. But you get, with the time, and we get used to the system and uh, we learn. Oh, absolutely. And you know, we're coming up to a break soon, but I want you to uh, to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, <clears throat> the money. Uh, you know, yeah. Oh uh, my God! Yes. Okay. For the work I'll tell you and everything about money. <laughs> You know. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to take a quick break. Okay. And uh, we're going to be right back with the Andre Lazard to talk more about the ships. Tremendous information. If you ever want to work on a ship, Andre's uh, full of good uh, good information. Should you wish to apply, we'll be right back after two minutes.
a life coach. Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's stephennicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back to the Hospitality Industry News Network. I'm your host, Stephen Nicole, and my guest today is Andre Lazar, who's been spent 13 years on cruise ships. He started off with Norwegian Caribbean Lines, went to Royal Viking, and now we're going to get into the next segment. If you missed the show up to now, it's, it'll be archived on my webpage on voiceamericavariety.com. And you could also catch it on iTunes, link, uh, Tuned In, and Stitcher. Andre, now yes. you you and I worked on together on Renaissance Cruises, and I know how I found the job on Renaissance Cruises, but I, I'm interested in knowing how you found the job. How did you I, end up with such a beautiful, beautiful ship? I did. Uh, someone told me about those small vessels, small company. So I just applied, and uh, having that experience, so uh, I was hired right away. And uh, my first ship, it's a ship I had to go and pick up in La Spezia, Italy, Renaissance 4. Because yes. those ships were all numbered. So we, we, we arrived in La Spezia, Italy. We stayed there for a week at the shipyard again. And we were the one at that place where we emptied the container by hand and put them on board. You know, when I was talking about the seawater, the dishes and the towels and everything, the sun chair, sun beating towel, everything, those were brought on board by the crew. Wow. So that was a job. And after that, once the ship was filled up with all this, Everything has to be settled and clean the ship because we're leaving the shipyard. You know, it's dust. It's, it's not so clean. Yes. So we uh, we sailed from La Spezia towards Egypt because we were doing uh, Suez Canal because we were heading to Bali without passengers, of course, because the ship was wow. not set. And then when we left, we sailed from La Spezia and we passed Sicily and there was a storm. Oh, my God, a small vessel like that, I was coming out of a ship of 1,000 feet long down to a ship of 300 feet long. It was 
a terrible ride we had there. So after that, it was fine when we reached Egypt and the, the canal. And then we made a stop in Djibouti, Africa, for bunker. Yes. And then we were going out that night. It was funny. We were going out to the small pub in Djibouti, a small club, imagine, in a jungle like that. Yes. But uh, just to tell you a funny story, the crew wasn't there because we're working a lot during the, the sailing. And we were heading the following day for 12 sea days nonstop to Maldives. Yes. But we, that night in Djibouti, we decided to go to the club, all the crew. Some were in Bermudas and some with long pants. The one with Bermudas were not allowed to dance on the dancing floor. Can you imagine that? In Djibouti, wow. in the jungle. So we were switching our pants no. to be able to go dance turn by turn. <laughs> so oh, while the crew was going out, the crew had always a good time. But we were in classy ship and... And Djibouti's in Ethiopia, right? Djibouti? Yes. It's, it's completely at the exit of the Red Sea on the right side of Africa. Okay. I'm thinking of which country it is. It's or is that the country? Uh, oh, my God. I forget right now, but I don't think it's Ethiopia, Djibouti. No, no. It's, I, it's, it's not a, Ethiopia? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I would have, have to look, it up have to look later, that up. But, uh, but uh, what a story. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, it was fun. So then we sailed the following day towards uh, Maldives, 12 yes. days at sea, nonstop. And the ocean wow. was supposed to be very, very rough, but the ocean was exactly like uh, uh, oil. Oh it God. was 35 degrees, 40 degrees, and we were working, taking a break in the afternoon. And we, they, were, they were putting three, four feet of water in the pool because they could not fill up the pool completely, you know, all the time. Eh? So yes. that we can have a few hours and rest and then back to our uh, organizing the ship. So oh. that's what we did. And it took us uh, 12 days. Wow, that's a long. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And then we arrived in Maldives for bunker. We could not even leave the ship. We had no time. So they bunkered the vessel. Once full, we were heading to Bali, and then the cruisers were starting to Indonesia. So we did every year Indonesia for five, six weeks per year, and then after Egypt and uh, all over there. Wow. Then, yeah. A lot, of, then, a lot of time traveling. Oh, but what, lots of what, an, what an opportunity to see the world. Oh, yeah, 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 you know. And you know when you go in a city like, example, Rio Janeiro, Hong Kong, uh, places like that, and you land, you don't see much. But when you arrive by ship, the scenery of that city on the seaside, when you reach uh, in front of Rio Janeiro in the morning, it's 4.30, 5 o'clock, the sun is rising, you take a coffee and you walk on deck and you look out at the Corcovado and the sugar... Uh, the paint sugar, uh, you say in English, uh, the, the plantation, yeah. the sugar, yeah, yeah. When you look at all this scene from from the ocean, it is just uh, your jaw just drop. You know, it's flat. So that's the difference with a ship and with a plane. Like if you go to Santorini, Greece, the scenery of looking at those white houses on top of the cliffs. You know. You don't see yes. that when you land. No. 
So that uh, the, the the ship is giving you a, a, a nice uh, view of many places you go. And that's why people take so who are love cruising take so many cruises, 30, 40, 50 of them. Yeah. And people, you know, when you cruise, you take your luggage, you put them on board, you unpack, and you visit everywhere without packing every day. Yes. It's so much more relaxing. Yes. And you meet people, you know. If you're social, cruising is extraordinary. It's fantastic. Now, you speak of working on a smaller ship. I remember one uh, cruise I had, we were... In the north of Africa, you know, and uh, we were leaving Las Palmas, and we got such rough sea for seven days. We only managed to hit one port. Yeah. The front of the so the front of the ship was going in the water. I know that's true. That's true. I've filmed that. I've seen. I have been through this a few times. A few times. Very very big storm, and you know you don't feel so big, but the ship are amazing. You know, you, you can believe how those ships are. Handling that, and the I know. captain is a lot in there too. You know. Oh yeah, the way the ship tilts with the wind and everything. Oh my oh, god, that's amazing. I saw. Oh yeah, and I saw sometimes you know five minutes before opening the dining room door, I, I, being hit by a big wave, and those ship was shaking, and the entire setup of the table, all the yes. plates, everything falling on chairs, and the glasses falling on the. Uh, on the plate that was in the chair and everything was broken we had to run in the basement wash glasses get the dining room ready and you know all the no. even the chafing dishes like that <laughs> it's not always yeah. like that even the chafing dishes say. were falling off the uh, the tables it would just slide yeah. right off oh yeah yeah a neat a neat little trick we used to do and well you know we used to our side stand by our station in the dining room, we used to water it down so the tray would, you know, stick on there a little bit so the tablecloth wouldn't slide yeah, yeah. off with rough exactly. And then before we left to go uh, say goodnight and leave the dining room, we had to make sure everything was secure. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. On big, big vessels, it's different, you know. The yeah. ship is, is 150,000 tons today. But when you are on a ship of 4,000 tons, that's a different story. Yes. But you're going to places where a big ship cannot go. Yes. Like the Corinth Canal, for instance. Yeah, exactly. When you go to Corinth Canal, I have a picture here taken from the bow of the ship. And I'm pointing at the Corinth Canal. We are pulled by a, a, a pull boat in the front. Yes. My God, this is very narrow. You've been there, huh? Yes. No, it's very, very, uh, very amazing to see all those places in the world. Very amazing. Oh, for sure. And, you know, the thing is, too, as well, is when uh, you're working on a small ship and Renaissance cruises. And, yeah. uh, you know, I remember the first ship we worked on, you mentioned, uh, or I worked on, was the Regina Renaissance, which was the seventh ship. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think you were the maitre d' then. I was literally then at that time with Raymond and Utcombe, the charter we talked about that you have met as well. You yes. remember Richard, you remember yes. Terry and all those people, yes. yeah. Exactly. Now, you remember the 10 days we spent in Monte Carlo of all places loading the ship up? Oh, I remember that. That was amazing. Oh, my God. What a spot in the world to spend 10 days loading a ship up. No, no, that, that's... Uh, you know, there are some good moments working on ships and you travel, 
You meet great people. At, at that time, Facebook was not existing. No. Today, we are finding a lot of friends with Facebook. Yes. And we have group. There is a group of SS Norway. There is a group from Renaissance Cruises. I am in those groups. Sometimes I see pictures showing up on my Facebook. And it's me. Someone in the world has put that picture. It's yes. so funny, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's good. It's, I, it's, I it's a group. That. Yeah. And I remember, I I remember the first, uh, when we went to the Red Sea, and like you yeah. mentioned, like they would go overnight to Luxor. Exactly. And we would have the ship to ourselves till the following evening when they got back. Unheard of on yeah. a big ship. No, you don't do that, except if they do a cruise. And they stop in a place like Hong Kong. But the ship don't do as many stop overnight. Because, you know, no. with everything that's going in the world today, when they stop and they stay two, three days in the port and they doubt and they don't like it, they have to get divers to go and check the ship underneath and stuff like that because they're afraid of whatever can happen. So they, they avoid that, I think, a bit more than they did before, unfortunately. Yes. Sad, though. And it costs a lot, I guess. To it more costs over. a lot. And, you know, with terrorism and everything, they don't want to, you know, it's, it's sad to say, but now you have to think about all those things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, what yeah. I'd like to talk about in our next uh, and final segment a little bit is, you know, how would you go about if you were a, a person today looking for a job on a cruise ship? How, you know, we kind of did it differently back then because there was no Internet and, and stuff like that, and there, there wasn't a lot of information. The best thing to do was sort of just walk up and uh, apply right on board. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and also get to the, a little bit about the money, you know, the money you could save and uh, – you know, people we know invested and, uh, you know, have houses and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the yeah. Other, the, I'll tell so, you about the first money and the and the last, the last money because I became hotel manager after that. And that was different as well, you know. Yeah, so I'll tell you about it, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll get back right back to you right after this break. We'll see you at the other end of two minutes. A life coach, Stephen Nicole, can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s to the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's stephennicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. 
That's S.S. Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at Rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back to the Hospitality Industry Network. My name is Stephen Nicole. I'm with Andre Lazar. Andre, how did you get to be hotel manager with Renaissance Cruises? Yeah, we were talking about when I was maturity then. I wanted to be a hotel manager because I was with Renaissance for a while. I've been at sea for many years. So um, I applied, but you know, sometimes there is preferences there. But anyway, what happened is that we were sailing towards a cruise to uh, India and all the way to Egypt and everything. And when we left, the hotel manager on board came to me one night and we had passenger on board for 60 days. You know, those people leave their company, their families, they organize things for going for five, not 60 days. It was five or six weeks. Yes. So those people organized. And the, the hotel manager came to me and he said to me, that was just before Christmas. He said, I don't think we'll make the cruise. And I said, what for? And he told me that we had a problem. We, we were running on one engine only. Oh, no. We were not... We were not at the Suez Canal yet. We were just in the Mediterranean. So the news came out. We had an engine. One piston had blow up, and the piston fell on the floor in the engine room. So wow. We couldn't sail to India and all this with one engine. So we had to go back. And then the company offered different things to passengers, going by air to Egypt, a group going to India with another one. So finally, I was sent with the group, and I came back. And then it was Christmas time, and the hotel manager wanted to go. So they said they need someone. So they offered me a relief hotel manager, acting hotel manager. I didn't mind. I wanted to put my feet in it. And yes. the hotel manager wanted to go home so bad that he said that I was fine and everything, you know, so he pushed for it, and I got it. Right. And finally, I've been hotel manager with Renaissance for about five, six contracts before I leave. Wow. Yeah. And then I came with a hotel manager with Raymond and Whitcomb, finally. I came back there and a few ships, you know. So that's how I became hotel manager. Well, and you know, you know, everyone wants to know what kind of money you make. You know, obviously, okay. the, the higher you move up, the more money you make. Of course. When I started in the Norway, to make it short, because the time is passing fast, huh? you know, I started in the Norway. The pay is $50, $50 a month. The rest is your tip. Yes. So the first Thursday, they called everybody in the dining room. They said, I said, what do they do there? My friend says, it's for your pay. They gave me a small brown envelope, and that was about... Uh, Ten dollar and fifty cents in it, oh because I was arrived at the end of the month. The rest was my tips. But after three weeks, I was a good waiter. I was fast. I was making eight hundred dollar a week. The other guys they couldn't believe it, even wow. not speaking much of English. But my charisma, I guess, or something yes. like that. And I, I was making very good money. And after the seaward, I was one of the few with three tables. To serve three tables at six o'clock and to get ready for second seating, so that was one hundred and eight meals a day by myself. I was making wow. again eight hundred nine hundred a week. Wow! But some guys they were having ten passengers and they were finishing after me, so they were making three four hundred bucks. Oh, so it depends God. how you are, how you work, and then later on with the position of metro D, it's different. Then you have a basic salary, and the tips were pooled. And there was two shares to the Metro D, and there was yes. one share for the waiters. So if there's 10 waiters, 
and two metro, uh, eight waiter and one metro D, and there's $4,000 in dining room for the week. That means divide by 10. Each waiter yes. gets 400. The metro D was getting eight. But yes. the metro D was having also 2,000 a month. So yes. if you do four times eight, it's 3,002 plus two, make 5,000. Yes. I remember that. An hotel manager is different. There's no tips. It's what, it's a fixed salary. It's around five, six, depending on the vessel. Which isn't too bad. No, it's not bad. And now they have contract of four months for those positions. So it's very often now, after you've done two contracts, you're going to work four months, two months off, four months, two months off. After that, you're going to be start to be paid year-round. So your four months off are fully paid. Oh, that's awesome. So they now, try to have three hotel managers, two fixed hotel managers on two ships, and one who's a relief. The wow. relief two months one side, two months the other side, and then it turns around between the three guys. What's the best way to apply for a job right now on a cruise ship in 2015? The now, there's only one way now to apply. It's to go online and search. You can just type cruise ship job, and there is agencies everywhere in America. And yes. check the agencies nearby you, get your resume ready, a picture, and then that's the best way. People who are waiters, there's a lot of opening because a ship may take 150 waiters, 80. Of course, an hotel manager is only one. You know, a captain's only one. Those yes. positions are more difficult to get. And very often got, they're given within the company. You got to get your foot make, You have to make your way in as a waiter. Go yes. ahead. If you want a head waiter job, go for a head waiter. Take your time and you're going to move up. But just be patient. And uh, if you remain there, your chances are better than just, you know, because even me, after 13 years at sea, a few years ago, I wanted to go back and I didn't get the job. Because I was coming from small vessels, and Royal Caribbean said to me, we're not sure you're going to be able to run all this. It's big here, you know. So I yes. didn't get the job. Yes. After 13 years' experience. Yeah, those so, are big tips. But the, the thing is, you have to go to internet, even me. Today, a friend of mine of the Norway, Timothy Carr, was chief purser at the time. Today, Timothy is... Director, Hotel Operation, Norwegian Cruise Line. Wow. He's a friend of mine. When I go to Miami, I visit him. He cannot even help me. He said, I'm read. The only thing I can do is to tell them that I know you, and that's all. You cannot. There's rules. It goes to human resources. It's not so, so easy to get pushed, you know? No. No. And the older I, you get, the harder it is. Uh, you know, so you have to work and to get your position. I started, I was not speaking English, and I ended up with a manager on a luxury vessel. If there was one place in the world you haven't been to yet but would like to go, where would that be? Good God. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Oh, Antarctica. Really, eh? Because I've been on the same cruise to Svalbard, Spitsbergen, over the Polar Circle, and we end up in Ushuaia for Christmas. So I sailed from one to the top, but I never beach, never reached Antarctica. One place I would like to go back, and it was uh, Africa, and we stopped in uh, uh, Bom uh, Bombay, not Bombay, sorry, uh, uh, Mombasa, Mombasa in this Mombasa, area. Mombasa, yeah. 
All that area is beautiful. Kenya, wonderful. Everywhere yes. is beautiful. The fjords of Norway. Hey, listen, it's great. The fjords of uh, uh, Peru. If you go down to Peru and Argentina, all this area, everything is nice. You know, Andre, hey. after speaking this hour with you, I'm sure our listeners would agree that you have had a wonderful career on cruise ships. I did, and I met great people. And you're one of those, and I'm glad we have found each other to talk again. And if anyone listening to this that I know, I'm saying hello to everybody of that that part of the world, Carl Heinz and Ralph Cunningham and yes. Ben Tiratset and whoever, <laughs> so many friends. Well, we'll get the word out. Oh, of course, we will send them notes. Yes. Oh, yes. You know, Andre, I, uh, I just want to say I, I, it's been a great, uh, great show. You've enlightened a lot of the, the listeners, I'm sure, on how to find jobs, what cruise ship life is like. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it, and the memories are uh, unforgettable. Hey, listen, everyone, that I've worked on ships and we see each other now, on the group we have created, Norway, Royal Viking Line, Renaissance, everybody there, everyone, says the best part of my life. And I say the same the best part of my life was from my 29 years old till 44 when I was sailing. It's yeah. the, I tell you, there's nothing to erase that. Well, on that note, I'm going to have to bid you adieu, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for being my guest today, our guest. Steve, thanks very, very much. We'll All talk right. again. Take care. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. This is Stephen Nicole with the Hospitality Industry News Network. A fantastic show we just had with Andre Lazar, all about cruise ships, his experience, world travels, his how he climbed up the ladder, how he found the job. And uh, if you've missed the show or you want to hear any other shows, they're archived 24-7 on my webpage on the Hospitality Industry News Network, voiceamericavarati.com. And uh, you could download it on, you could hear it on iTunes, Stitcher and Tuned In. And if you ever want to contact me and talk about the show, my email is ssnicole at rogers.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-L-E at rogers.com. Two S's in the front. I'd love to hear about what your thoughts on the show were. And if you're looking for a job, go on the internet and apply. You won't regret it. This is Stephen Nicole signing off. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Hospitality News Network this week. Please join your host, Stephen Nicole, next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.